0: You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for
1: your Ohio State Buckeye. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German with you for the next little bit here. Good day, everyone. Happy day, Buckeye Nation. Uh, a lot of really good recruiting news coming in. The, the, the new coaching staff has hit the ground running, including James Laurinaitis with a lot more 2025 recruits coming on in. So good news abound for the Buckeyes, and good news for college football. As a real quick reminder, we are a relatively new podcast. Please make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, 92 thefancom the free Odyssey app. We appreciate your patronage. We survive because you pay attention to our podcast, and we greatly appreciate that. Don't forget also, subscribe to the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel. Make sure to leave us your comments in the comment section on the Sons of the Shoe playlist, guys. We eat that up. If you, if you haven't seen it, we do like to interact. Sometimes it's Michigan fans, sometimes an Ohio State fans, sometimes it's just a general college football fan uh, giving us love or hate. So remember, 923 The Fan, YouTube channel, comments, subscribe, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and whatever. But not only do we have a big news for the next two years of college football, Spencer, this week is going to be huge for college football at large because this week the uh, conference commissioners plus Notre Dame leadership is meeting in Dallas to start to hash out what what 26 and no what 2026 and beyond looks like for the college football playoff. We're going to get to that later in the, the this part of the segment, later in this part of the show, but that looks to be really contentious. What what we do know is that finally after years of quibbling, it is not it's been a certainty that they're going to go to 12 teams in 2024, but now we finally know what it's going to look like. Is everybody's finally settled on this 5v12 format, which is what they're calling it. That is a slight adjustment from 6v6, where it was the six conference champions and then six at large. Now, in part because the Pac-12 doesn't really exist, now it's going to be five versus seven. Your thoughts on the switch to this? Because really... It's just going to be for the next two years before they probably shake that etch a sketch one more time for the twenty twenty six and beyond seasons all the way through thirty one thirty two.
0: Yeah, and, and when that change comes, um, you know, you're I I think some of the the formatting of this will stay the same. I, I think part of the the five v seven format that they they established was that the five highest ranked conference champions are getting in. They get kind of like an auto bid essentially, and mm-hmm. the top four seeds. Will always go to a team teams that won their conference. That'll probably be your major your four major conferences, if that's what it looks like, um, or your four Power Fives. But I I think that will probably end up staying the same if they expand the field even further, just because um, it like they're clearly trying to prioritize the things that we we talk ad nauseum about every like these the Nick like this is basically the conversations we have uh, in early December every year how much does a conference championship matter? How much does strength of schedule matter? How much does out of conference schedule matter? Like they're basically answering all those questions for you by setting it up this way where they're saying, okay, conference champions, you guys get a little bit of an extra boost because you're playing in a conference. You guys will be guaranteed a, a, a buy. If you're one of the top, if you win your conference and you're a top ranked team, um, you know, of all the other conference teams that are out there. So, um, I think that's that's important context. Um, I'm interested to see what the, what decisions kind of loom large in terms of what it looks like moving forward. It sounds like 16 teams. We can talk about whether or not we like that or not. Um, and also, I think this has big implications for just the power structure because by 2028, who knows what the landscape of college football is going to look like in terms of these two mega conferences that are sort of starting to form themselves, the Big Ten and the SEC, and who's maybe joining forces with them in the next three three to four years um, who's who's maybe joining the SEC in the next three to let's, four years?
1: Let's not burn all those right in the moment because I do think those are <laughs> all things that we can get to on this. Yeah, I just think what I I think there actually is some subtle genius to the way they've set this up, and I don't know that this was intentional. But you know, one of the big talking points on moving to twelve teams is it's going to obliterate the conversation. On what is important, what isn't important, right? Which is the regular season, which is winning a conference championship, and I actually think, like, if you if you drop this into buckets, right, the 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 the, the top four conference champions, there's going to be a massive advantage in a twelve-team format to having that buy, and then that second group of four teams, right, the five through eight they have a built-in advantage here of you want to play to get as high of a seat as you can. You want to do as much politic as you can because yeah. those, the, the five through eight seed are actually going to host the first yeah. round games at their respective schools. And then obviously the nine through 12 is going to be hotly debated because somebody's got to be 13. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that people think that that conversation is going to change I think this I think it's gonna be more nationally relevant because now all of a sudden, one, you've got the three buckets like I described. Two, now all of a sudden, like you can't just say, well, if you don't win your conference, or if you're not one of the four best conferences, it doesn't matter because you know there's no difference between being the five seed and the twelve seed. That's not true. And and honestly, I think it's gonna only open up. I think once you get past probably the top seven. I think, and I I think we saw this year, there were seven teams that could have made the playoffs this year in a four team field. Yeah. You had like legitimate cases. If you, if you get seven, that's great because the next seven are going to the next seven to 10 Mm. are going to be widely contested. So I think this is best of both worlds. You get more teams, which means more money, every, every kind of bucket that you can drop in incentivizes you different. And I think, like, I think the conversation is still going to be the conversation. Like, how could this team be 13 and this team oh, be yeah. 12? How could this team be 12, uh, 10 and this team could be 15? Like, I I think this is everything you want it to be. And it's funny that it's probably only going to be for two years because this looks great. Like, I am I really like the way they've set it up. Uh, the quarterfinals and semifinals are going to rotate between the New Year's Six Bowls. Like, I think this is as good as you can possibly get with the way this thing is going to be yeah. set up, given how just contentious this got with the league.
0: Well, and the Notre Dame part of this is fascinating too, because, because Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, they can only ever finish as high as the five spot. Mm-hmm. So that means they are guaranteed every time the playoff comes around. And and I'm I'm I don't know that they'll keep this the same for this when they expand again, that that'll obviously is to be TBD when they have that discussion. But at least for now, in this format, and if they decided they do want to keep this sort of the the structure moving forward, Notre Dame can't finish as high, higher than the five spot. And I I was told that that was kind of like a thing that they agreed to because everybody else plays a 13th game. Well, they don't play a 13th game. So their 13th game basically comes in the first round of the playoff every single time. But you know that fans of that team, which like most college football fan bases, Ohio State included, Notre Dame fans are a cult. And you know this, the, the first time that they are like undefeated, ranked second or third, and, and they're in the top four going into the, the, the conference championship weekend, and then they get jumped by some smaller conferences, conference champion for the four spot, and they end up as the fifth spot, that those fans are going to be absolutely just up in arms that it's, it's going to be, it is, it's going to be this year's version of FSU. It's going to be, how could you do this to us? How could you make us five? We're undefeated. And we're one of the biggest brands in college football because either a, the people won't understand. They, they won't know that that's a rule though. They, they, like there's probably people who are, who are college football fans, but they don't know all the ins and outs of everything. And so they will be like, Oh, I didn't realize that was a rule. Or they're just going to be mad because that's going to be the new thing to get mad at, which I think is also very fascinating in all this. Um, I think too like there's an interesting conversation to be had here that I think I, that I want to get into with you because as much as Notre Dame is a big brand um I'm kind of curious like what the incentive is for schools now in the Big 10 to schedule a team like Notre Dame who doesn't who who has no ties to your conference or anything like that because and I guess the larger question here is how much is out-of-conference schedule going to matter moving forward? You, t- you talked about it, like how does this change the math on what matters that time of year and, and when you set the playoff field and all these different things. I'm I'm fascinated to see how much that specifically matters, that point, because we bring that up all the time, right? Well, who did Ohio State play? There's a reason Ohio State was number one for a period of time, and they jumped Georgia – because they had the best out-of-conference schedule. They had played Notre Dame. They played some other teams. So that's where Notre Dame kind of comes in the equation here. But for Notre Dame, like, what is the incentive? If, if the point for these teams is I want to have a good strength of schedule. Well, with conference realignment, conference expansion, the idea is that Ohio State, for example, is going to be playing USC more often. They're going to be playing Oregon more often. So their in-conference schedule is actually going to end up being tougher Then they're out of conference schedule and they don't want to accumulate a whole or risk accumulating a bunch of losses and costing themselves a playoff spot or costing themselves the conference because they want that that one seed. They they want they want the first round buy in the playoff. So I'm curious, other than the blanket statement of well, Notre Dame's a big brand, so it's always going to look good if you beat them on, on NBC. I get that. But other than that, what is the incentive for a team as we as we wonder about should Notre Dame join a conference and is this going to be be advantageous for them to stay independent now that they can't get ever get a bye week uh, going into the playoff. Like, is it an of incentive that maybe teams stop scheduling them as much if they're not really tied to a conference because they don't want to even risk the possibility that you lose to Notre Dame out of conference when you got a tough in conference schedule?
1: I think it's always going to be a moving goalpost because you can't lock in. Unlike when you knew it was going to be four teams for a decade and you knew how it was set up there's no I mean you you're, you're like your working theory or your game theory for the next two years is going to be different than what it is in 2026 and, and honestly even at 20 once they even lock in let's say they do move to 16 teams which apparently Big Ten commission Tony petitius is, is really interested in pushing it in that direction um which I think would negate the home field of, uh, with the first round buy wow. and I, I I'll be honest with you I think it's just about getting teams in instead of giving your conference the best chance to win I digress but um, I, I think even once you get to 2026, 20, you're not gonna be able to breathe like, oh, well, now we know how this game's gonna be played. Because four years in, you could see with the way things are setting up. I mean, this is this the 2026 20, and beyond is turning into a money grab by the Big Ten and the SEC. And all that is, it's colonialism. All that is is a land grab because they know if they can secure more money and they, you know, one of the things uh, suggested that's going to be debated this week is tiered uh, income based off, uh, you know, playoffs. So the SEC and the big 10 would receive more than the ACC and the big 12. who would receive more than mountain West and American who'd receive more than conference USA, the Mac and the Sunbelt. So you can't tell me that's not tied to the Big Ten and the SEC, looking to snatch up teams specifically in the ACC. So, getting back to your Notre Dame point, I think that's part of this too. I think the point with them, I think, I think all the other conferences are just trying to apply subtle pressure over time to get Notre Dame into a conference. At this point, I like if you if you if you went to the SEC and the Big Ten and said uh, Notre Dame is going to join one of your conferences, do you care who it is? I actually think they wouldn't care if they lost Notre Dame to the other conference because it's just more important that they join a conference and and and, and join a conference. Other, I than think the I ACC. think Notre
0: Dame cares though because oh I don't yeah, mean, well yeah, but I don't I, think Notre Dame makes sense in the SEC. They'll get boat raced year uh, after year. The Big Ten I, makes I think a lot more sense.
1: I would agree, but I think you're also not thinking like Notre Dame. Notre Dame (laughs) still thinks it's 30 years ago. And listen, brand wise, they're correct. They all have the same
0: They all, they're all in the, they're all stuck in Lou Holtz's brain. That's well, but
1: (laughs) Notre Dame, Notre Dame is an elite brand. The problem is all the kind of things that hold them back from competing, all that kind of, we're smarter than you. You know, we have a higher academic standard. We're a religious school. All that stuff in the end holds you back from recruiting against the Alabamas and the Georgias. And honestly, I think it's going to be the same thing against Oregon and Ohio state and USC and Michigan in the big 10, but I want to di- digress real quick because I do think this, I think a big part of this is just, we got to push them towards this and subtly nudge them towards joining a conference. I also think at the end, um, I think it's going to be really fascinating. The first time you have Notre Dame as the one seed who's going to end up being the five seed in the playoffs, meaning that, you know, do you just go ahead and uh, seed one through fours as all right, it's it's whatever the whatever the leaders in each one of those are meaning regardless who is the best of the sec that's the one seed best of the big 10 is the the two seed or do you just have them ranked within the top 15 top 20 understanding that when it all comes down they're going to be the one through four seed because i think that's really interesting like That's where you are going to get some contention if Notre Dame's the true number one seed, but ends up having to be the number five seed. I think that's the kind of situation and scenario that could piss them off enough where they say, well, we're we're, we got to play by these rules because we're being unfairly punished. The downside, because I want to give you a chance to get to that. The downside is I actually think Notre Dame hosting a playoff game might be exactly what they want. Like that's yep, the push and pull. You could be the number one seed in the country. You're undefeated. You've they always have a tough schedule because they play everything's out of conference. You could be the, the rightful number one seed and have to go host a playoff game and play that extra playoff game as a five seed versus that five seeds at home. And you can't tell me that 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 isn't going to add to some of that prestige of well, you got to go through Notre Dame, you gotta you gotta come through South Bend, whether it's the five, six, seven, eight seed. You, you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I thought about that, too, just in regards to maybe they don't care about hosting an extra game in the playoff because they knew it was going to be a first round matchup that's at their place. And so there's some incentive to that. Uh, you get your crowd on your side. It's probably going to be like a lesser team coming in that you should be able to beat. But you also got to think like it's another game in the playoff on this sort of long journey to a championship that you got to play that maybe an Ohio State doesn't. And if you get a guy hurt, like, that could derail your chances of beating a team like that. So there's some other factors there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, – that I, I think you're right in that there's sort of some subtle urges to get Notre Dame into a conference. Um, they're trying to sort of pull out all the stops, if you will, to get them there. And they're going to continue to be adamant that they don't want to, of course. But how the – this, and I do think, to your question, I think it will ultimately end up being – they'll move those teams up in the rankings to the top four spots. That that's what I think it's gonna end up being. Um I don't think it's just gonna be like, well, Liberty was Fort was 13th, so or it was 12th, so they're just gonna stay 12 and get a bye. Like I, I don't think it'll work that way. But I knew I do know like that would have been a factor this year because they mapped out like what the field would have looked like this year. And Liberty actually would have gotten in over oh God, I can't remember who it was. They, they were ranked like 14th or something like that. And they would have been, they would have slipped down to that 12. Like they would have been in as the last highest ranked, um, the fifth highest ranked conference champion. And they would have jumped somebody, I think from the sec, actually ironically enough to get in to the, the playoff this year, if, if this format had existed this year. So that's kind of interesting, but yeah, I I, I think that they'll end up reseeding them as like one through four. You now know, I, now, how I does,
1: do think real quick on that. I yeah. do wonder if that, ruins a little bit of the charm, like maybe the charm in the playoff selection show, which there's great drama and theater to the 14 playoff selection show. Maybe the, the, maybe the drama in the theater is, well, who's one,
0: who's two, who's three, who's four.
1: Maybe that's how they kind of see that. Well, that that would be the theater for the
0: top four. I think, I think though you, like you bring up theater, uh, the theater of it. I think there's always going to be theater involved because you said it like we're just shifting the conversation from. Well, how does FSU get screwed and miss the playoff as a top four team? To well, how does how does uh, Ole Miss and Penn State get the, get snubbed at at thirteen? Like, there's still going to be some very passionate fan bases around thirteen and twelve where that conversation gets had, and we're going to have to sit there and sort of sort through those things and calm people down or whatever. I mean, hopefully, Ohio State never has to worry about being that low in the rankings, but if it ever happened, like the same thing would be happening with the fan base here. So, um, yeah, I, and I and I think. To to shift sort of towards the the field expanding to sixteen, the way you put it earlier, I think is spot on. This feels cause to go from four and be so protective over well, this protects the integrity of the game and, and making sure the regular season still means something. And four four is good. And, and there's people who are still staunchly in the the four team camp. Um, and I always said from when they when they announced four, I always said that it should be eight. I said eight makes a lot of sense. You have five power five conferences. All five of those teams get an, get an auto bid when they win their conference. And then you give three at-large bids to, I don't know, maybe a smaller school or a smaller conference team that wins um, or a, a a second SEC team that you think is really good, whatever, and you, you get an 18 team field. So they're jumping from four to 12, which I thought was I'm, – I'm fine with 12, but I kind of feel I'm, – I'm caught in the middle on this because I, I generally am team – I'm not going to complain about more football and I'm not going to complain – uh i'm certainly not going to begrudge them from expanding the playoff field when we see playoff fields of of that size or larger in all other sports so i understand the, the concept there but i do think on some level in college football like there's a severe drop off a lot of the time in the competitiveness now maybe that continues to change with the nil era maybe that continues to 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 sort of add more parity or spread out the field a little bit where you do get some teams that are more competitive around the 14 15 16 mark but i'm telling you right now man like what, what think? Here's a team that we've seen around that, that, those rankings in the last few years. Iowa. What is Iowa going to do? Like, what, what business does Iowa have with scoring 10 points a game? What business do they have being in the playoff in the first round against a one, a number one seed Georgia that, like, like, I, I, and this is where I, I sound like the, the old, um, old man yelling at Cloud guy. Who's like, oh, this playoff expansion is bad for college football? I'm not trying to be that because I'm totally on board with it going to 12. I, I think it's a great thing for the sport, but I do think there's almost like a drop off or a a a, a um a, a breaking point, if you will, where it it it's it's more so just about okay, we're just going to do more games because it's more money for us and less about like the competitiveness of the games. I think you can still get some decently competitive games, especially if you get to like SEC teams. Like say it's Ole Miss and Georgia as a as a first round or as like a second round matchup or something like that. Like, yeah, I think that'd be great. Um, but I, I don't know that, that 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 still is the same when you spread it out even further and you're adding in some of these sort of mid teams that are going to be ranked around 15, 16, 17, because there's always like a two loss team around there that just has no business even sniffing the, the college football playoff. well but
1: but isn't that the point of and this is this is where I kind of do the flip side. The point of it is if you don't belong in the playoffs, you're going to be exposed real quick. So, like, on the years where Michigan State is a paper tiger and they got they get in on a technicality or they get on a whim of luck, well, yeah, they're going to have the natural advantage one way or another of winning their their conference. But, I mean, the beauty of it is if there's a better team out there, you're going to see it play out on the field. And so I think that's kind of the, the counter to that, even though I am a little bit, once you get – it's less about teams. Also, well, and it's also more what, about once the you,
0: today. once you, like this format also makes sense right now as as twelve teams. When for the for the top seeds, like if if the goal is the top seeds should earn a little something like extra or more or whatever because you're trying to give them somewhat of an advantage. Like, isn't the twelve team format better because those teams then get that bye week, and, and I think that does matter in the context of of this sort of road to the to the championship versus when you go. When you when you expand to sixteen, what is the actual incentive for a team like Ohio State to go all out and try to win their conference? They get um, to ho- they get to host the game. That's it. That's the only incentive.
1: So let's let's save that because we're we kind of I kind of want to wait for that just until we kind of see what comes out of this meeting in Dallas this week. Because uh, right now, as of right now, Tony Petiti is the only commissioner that seems to be on board with moving to sixteen teams. I think it is fait accompli at some point. It will. I just don't think it's fait accompli in 2026. But the other things, we, we mentioned tiered revenue dest- distribution, um, the slate being wiped clean in 2026. So everything we've talked about for 24 and 25 probably won't matter at all for 2026, and uh, the Big Ten and SEC could be fighting for multiple guaranteed bids, which is something to kind of pay attention to there. And this really could set up and trigger – the financial dominoes that that continue the consolidation of conference expansion, and in some ways, conference deletion going on in college football. So we'll have more on this, guys. Again, the the, the second show this week, we're probably going to have more firm answers about what what kind of went down in Dallas. But when we come come back, um, I don't mind talking. And if you're a champion, you're allowed to talk. But let's be honest. Michigan, as they are now, are not the champions they were a month ago. We'll get into that here, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, we are back. The show is back, and... I gotta be honest with you. We're not used to talking the rivalry here in February. On February twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, twenty fifth, whatever, uh, because right <laughs> no, now I'll is the, the time where. Well, well, but the but but the rivalry is a little dormant this time of year. It kind of moves over to basketball. Don't pay attention to Michigan or Ohio State basketball this year. Nobody is, and least of all the actual uh programs themselves hey but hey I it
0: was don't don't sell the Buckeyes short they did just get the maybe the biggest upset win of the of the college basketball season and beating Purdue don't roll your eyes they did no, that was a I'm huge win it. I'm not I'm not saying yeah. it means anything let, let for, me ask you. I'm not saying it means let they're me going to make the tournament you.
1: did you did you care about Ohio State before Chris Holtman ended up running this thing into the ground this year in the last year because I got to be honest with you, I didn't realize there were so many Ohio State basketball fans. And <laughs> uh, there, uh, these Ohio State fans who never talk about Ohio State men's basketball come out of the woodworks when the program goes in the dumper. Like when it's like the middle of the road, when it's like a when they're like the seventh seed, that's cool for Ohio State fans. When they're bottom of the top, this isn't a uh, this is not the Ohio State <laughs> basketball I grew up with. Like, well, I grew up with Randy Airs' dog. All right, I grew up with Jim O'Brien. Like I grew up with like once every five years you have a cold day in the sun and everyone's like, Oh, it's great to be a Buckeye fan. It's it's absolutely fraudulent. I'm not saying every person who claims to be an Ohio State men's basketball fan is fraudulent. I'm just saying there are a lot of bandwagon weirdos oh, yeah, they who all love came to back. hop on who love to hop on when they're at their absolute best. Then don't pay attention to them when it's, you know, the seven C, the eight C, the ninth C the Big Ten, only to come back ferociously when the program's one of the three worst, four worst in the Big Ten. <laughs> I just think that's very funny. And I just want to be very honest about this. But we also have to talk about uh Sharon Moore's comments here. And I'll be honest with you, if Jim Harbaugh made this same uh comment, I, I don't think I'd care as much, but. Uh, Gus Johnson on Saturday night asked Sharon Moore about Ohio State's recruiting prowess and there's this, there's this narrative forming from Michiganders that, well, it doesn't matter what you do in recruiting if you can't prove it on the field. And I assure you that's not what they were saying when Ohio State was top five in every recruiting class and beating their ass for 20 years. <laughs> like, Ohio State's recruiting prow- prowess, and Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer, early Ryan Day got a lot of coaches fired. Not just head coaches, but assistant coaches. But uh, Sharon Moore said in response – We'll settle that in November, Spencer. Your thoughts before I blow a gasket?
0: The <laughs> my initial thought when I saw this was to laugh, um, not because like I'm laughing at like the state of the Michigan program. They're coming off a national championship. To your point, if they want to talk, they want to talk. But more so, just the the um, the world we the, the 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 cycle that we're now living in, where it just feels like history is repeating itself. Only. With the roles being flipped here, this is so much like Ryan Day. I think it was in year two that he was at Ohio State when he took over for for um, for for Urban Meyer, where he dropped the line. It was a, it was in the off season, and and it wasn't even a, he didn't say it publicly either. That was the other thing. It kind of leaked out that he said this to his team in the locker room. So he his was even a little bit different. So maybe it's not fully history repeating itself. This is just Jerome Moore, I guess, straight up asking for it. He's like, eh, I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm going to drop nukes and see how that comes back to bite me or not come back to bite me come November, I guess. But the difference in that situation was it was a private thing that Ryan Day said that leaked out of the locker room that he apparently told his guys, oh, well, because because you know Jim Harbaugh had some things to say. And so his response was, well, we're going to drop 100 on them this year. We might drop 100 on them this year. And that became this big deal. And then Michigan fans used that against them when they finally beat them. They were like, oh, I guess you didn't drop 100 on us, blah, 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 blah. And it was this whole thing. And so they got the last laugh in that instance. And now I, I, I can't get over just the parallels between what's going on at Michigan right now what's going on at Ohio State. The only difference is the year Urban Meyer left, Ohio State wasn't coming off a national championship. But other than that, the parallels are so similar. It's legendary coach who everybody knows with a with a with with one of the biggest names in the sport. He leaves and departs for whatever reason. Urban left for different reasons, then went to the NFL later, and that was a colossal disaster. Jim Harbaugh is proven in the NFL. He goes to the NFL. He's gone. He's taken his, his whole staff with him, and Jerome Moore is trying to build from the, the bottom up now with his, his staff and his team and all these different things. And it's just the same way. You got the coach sort of talking some shit to the to the other team, your biggest rival, which makes sense. That's going to happen, but you're doing it before you've really proven anything. And Sheryl Moore, just because he thinks, well, I beat Ryan Day head to head already. I I I won that game this past November, even though we know it was Jim Harbaugh's game plan, and you were just kind of doing what he was t- what he was telling you to do. And now he thinks that he has the right because they're national champions to say some some shit like this. And it was and in really, and what he said. Wasn't really that that like harsh or severe. It, it wasn't even close to what Ryan Day said about hanging hundred on him. It's it's pretty mild as far as smack talk goes. Like oh, we'll settle in November. But it's just the idea that you think you have the room to talk right now because you're a national champion. All these things when and, and you think you've proven something because you filled in for Jim Harbaugh for a few games with a really really loaded Michigan team. But really, what have you proven? People have plenty of questions about you as a coach and we don't know what this thing's going to look like with your staff gutted and everything that's kind of coming your way. And, and JJ McCarthy and all these other guys from this great team you had going to the NFL. So in a situation like that, no matter what you say, I don't care if you just say, yeah, you know, I, I don't, Ryan day has the, has a, uh, a Scottish terrier. I'm not really a Scottish terrier guy. Like, I don't care if that was the smack talk. It's like, why say anything? Why give Ohio state any sort of bulletin board material in a year where they loaded up their team and their main goal, their number one goal, like a heat seeking missile, is we're going to beat your ass next fall. I get it. It's kind of the, it, it makes the rivalry more fun. And, uh, and Michigan's talking from a place where they kind of have the right to do so. But it just didn't, it doesn't make sense for me as a new fresh coach who's taking over a program that now has some expectations to say anything of the sort. Just keep it, keep it very Kevin Stefansky like.
1: So I will say, I think Sharon Moore is going to be good for this rivalry. Because much like Jim Harbaugh, is he going to cry if he
0: loses? He
1: likes to talk. He does. He really loves to talk. He loves to chirp. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. It's probably going to increase the hatred between Ohio State and Michigan, which I love. That being said, my issue is I don't think Sharon Moore realizes the target on his back because Sharon Moore is like, well, I've got it made. We're coming off an Addy title. We, I'm a Michigan man. All right, like I was the guy that won four of the games, four of the six games Jim was suspended for. You know, so yeah, sure. Uh, all these guys got fired. Or sorry, all these coaches went off to the NFL. Yeah, sure. I'm replacing most of this roster, but they're gonna have patience with me, and that doesn't happen at Michigan. It doesn't happen at Ohio State. Like you, you mentioned how quickly things turn. It went from people. I mean, circling the wagons around Ryan Day saying, I'm gonna hang a hundred on them in a private conversation that was leaked to the media. It was it was that it went from that to fire this clown after two losses. That's when the fire Ryan Day stuff started, right? That, and then obviously he Some went and damn near one, beat but... damn near beat Georgia. But like I think Sharon Morse in a much worse situation than than Ryan because yeah, there's a program built there, but like your Ryan day can have a bad recruiting cycle because of how they use the portal. And because, well, as long as you hit on two of your other recruiting classes, it's fine, Michigan, it's a steady flow of talent that needs to be coming in those doors. You can't have it. And I think, you know, like I said, I don't think Sharon realizes the target that is on his back and it's not from Ohio state. It's not from Oregon. It's not from uh, Michigan state. No, it's from Michigan men. We've seen how they treat their own. We've seen how they treated Jim Harbaugh when six years in they Jim Harbaugh hadn't won a national title or hadn't beat Ohio state. Like that's the kind of thing, like this is the kind of thing that very early on could get turned on Sharone and weaponized to him. So, like, if Sharon wins, it's not going to be an issue. But the second that you fall off that standard, Michigan fans are, are delusional right now because Michigan fans are saying, oh, we're we're totally cool. We know next year is going to be a, a rebuilding year. What about the year after that? What about the year yeah. after that? Because you don't get many gimmies in college football. And the second that Ohio State beats Sharon Moore, because right now that's what Michigan fans are hanging their hat on. Honestly, guys, that's why Sharon Moore became the head coach of, of Michigan because he beat Ohio State as the head coach and that put them into the big 10 title game which that put them into the the college football playoffs which allowed them to win the national championship so I'm just here to tell you like keep talking Sharon talk as much as you want <laughs> because in this whole rivalry and I don't mean this disparagingly yeah. I'm talking about from a resource perspective Michigan is still David and Ohio State is still Goliath so you got the one time you threw the rock at the Giants' head and you landed it. Cool. Now the problem is you got to do it as the guy, and it is totally different when you're yeah. the guy. And I think yeah. that's very fascinating. I, I don't think I, – I think there's a lot of mess being talked about Michigan. They've earned the right good. Good for you, Booby. You won a national title. Let me pat you on the head. You got your first national title in damn near 30 years. It took you a damn near 30 years to get it, but good for you. But, man, I'm telling you, you talk this – it's different when a Michigan fan talks you and me smack than when a head coach goes on the record. And, And the funny thing is, oh, we'll settle that in November. Okay. (laughs) Yes, we will remember that quote only goes on the back of t-shirts that only goes on Nike slogans. It only becomes great and infamous if you actually settle it on the field, unless you get settled yourself.
0: It it feels very much like the, the year where they had those unfinished business t-shirts that they printed and then they lost like three or four games. And it was just like completely useless. Like, yeah, you're right. That only means something right now. When you you're sitting from a place where you're high and mighty on your pedestal, if you lose that game, what, is, what does that even mean? Like, what does that quote do for you down the line here Once, uh, if you lose to Ohio State? I, and, and to your point, too, I think Sheryl Moore has the same dilemma that Ryan Day has. He's not a Michigan guy. And what has Michigan done in, in, in most most times where they had to hire a head coach? They've tapped the well of Michigan men that have gone through the program and they've hired that guy. And for Ohio State, it was, a, it was the same thing for a while until they finally realized, like, oh, we can find these other coaches that are going to be good for us who aren't necessarily Ohio state guys. And and urban Meyer comes in and he wasn't an Ohio state guy and he leaves the program, the new heights and and that he's just one of of several, but they kind of embraced that earlier on. And that is the reason like people use that against Ryan day. They're like, well, he's not even an Ohio state guy. Why do we care about him? But the difference is to your point, Ryan day can tout these top recruiting classes every year. They're they're usually one, two or three every single year with the recruiting classes. And as long as they can do that, they have that over Michigan. Michigan's usually a pretty, has pretty good recruiting classes. They're usually maybe like top 15, top 10 in a good year. But they're they're not at the level that Ohio State is. And so that's one of the reasons why you don't shake things up and fire Ryan Day versus Sheryl Moore. Like his bar is now set at, okay, we just won a national championship. He's right. He might get some leeway. He might get some, a little bit of a leash here, especially this this next year because you're coming off of that high and they're not just going to fire you after a year after they brought you on. But you're right. Next year is the key. 2025 is the key. What does this look like when you're recruiting the kids? What does this look like after a potential loss to Ohio State? Are you going to lose two years in a row? Or are you going to bounce back and get them that next year with your own recruits coming in? Because these things take time, and sometimes in a program like that, they don't give you the time that you think you're going to have to build it.
1: Well, and I just think, like, at Ohio State, the expectation is every single year you have to be in the playoffs, you have to beat Michigan, and I think Michigan's barometer for now is, well, I you just got to beat Ohio State, and now it'll be like just be in the playoffs, right? Instead of being like a top-four seed, just beat Ohio State and see if you can get in the playoffs. I think that changes. I think the farther you get away from a championship, um, I think the more ravenous your fans get to be, especially if Ohio State won next year. It puts the the onus and the pressure right back on Michigan. Yeah. And so I'll be honest with you. I I think it's I think it's I thought it was tough to win at Ohio State as a first-time head coach with Ryan Day. And we've seen some of that bear fruit with his relationship in the the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. I also think it's even harder to be a first-time head coach at Michigan. And it doesn't mean it won't work. I mean, Lloyd Carr did it right? Like, uh, 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 Beckler did it first time head coaches at those spots, but here's the thing about that. Um, this is a new era and I just, I think there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse for Sharon very early on. And I don't think they helped him by not running a legitimate search. Their search was, uh, Jim, is he going to the NFL? Okay, cool. Sharon, you're the head coach. And it doesn't mean he doesn't earn. It's not about deserving. Because every, there's 10 guys that deserve any job in it. Luke Fickles deserved the job 10 times over now, right? And he hasn't gotten it yet. So Mike Frable was a guy who had a realistic chance. Like Mike Frable could have been one of those guys, that 2018-2019 window, if he didn't get the Tennessee job, could have been the guy to replace Urban. So yeah. I just think you look at this and I'm like, I think you're going to get to a point next year that if, let's say you're a eight-win team and you lose to Ohio State and you're not in the playoffs – I think you're going to see the buyer's remorse right there. People saying, "Well, yeah. well, maybe we should have run a more robust search." Like, look at what Alabama did with Kalen DeBoer, a yeah. guy who had no ties to that school. Now that doesn't mean that's the right way, but I'm just saying this is how people, this is how we think as fans and media yeah.
0: when I, all of a
1: sudden you get that first taste of maybe not meeting the expectations
0: i I don't real quick here before we take a break I'll, the only thing I'll say is that's the one thing I don't necessarily blame blame Michigan fully for is not running a full search this time around because to your point theoretically you're Michigan like you could go run a search and pluck any of these coaches from any of these schools give them a job and you know it's it's that other school's problem that they have to figure out what they do because I, so I don't necessarily want to use the excuse of like well it was really late in the process so you don't want to go take a coach and find someone but I, but it I do think I, it yeah. was an well, emotional
1: decision. It was an emotional well, decision based but, in the afterglow. You don't I, listen. You don't. You don't make decisions in the post nut clarity phase of life. You just don't do it. Yeah. No. I, right. You
0: I, have, I, to, have <laughs> to give yourself time. <laughs> yeah. I gotta. I gotta recoup before round two. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, but that to that, that might be what they're doing though. They're like, yeah, let's just sit for a beat, and then we'll 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 assess the situation next year before. So anyway, um, let's have no. a
1: cigarette and let's think about how great a <laughs> cigarette was. is. Sharome is yeah. is Jerome Moore. more? No, I, honestly, I, no. Think about it. You don't engage postcoital. You you don't you don't <laughs> lay there, it both sweaty and all glistening and and satisfied. Then go. You know, we should get married. No, you let it breathe. <laughs> all right. You wait till well, I, a couple days later, and if you still feel like you want to marry the other person, well, then you
0: marry him. I don't. I don't know if I. I, I have no response to this anymore. My my take is now mute. It's uh, it means nothing because there's just there's literally no response to this analogy that you just brought to the table. So I'm just gonna just gonna sit on that one. I'm just gonna That's let it be.
1: Probably fair. Uh, you never know <laughs> if the wife is gonna be watching this. No, 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 and-
0: no. I'm not even talking about anything inappropriate. I meant like my response to the Sharon Moore thing. Like you just completely just bulldozed my entire case. Why I thought, we should. like, how am I supposed to respond to that? That that uh, is the greatest analogy that can ever be made. So I guess I I lost this one. So listen, make a video. Some, you win some, you lose some. I lost this one, Nick. Congratulations, Nick. Right, won, I one Spencer German zero today.
1: I want this titled Sharon Moore and Post Nut Clarity. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, we got one more segment to go and. Uh, Sharon Moore might have been too honest there. A legendary college football coach uh, chose honesty and maybe a bit of a cop out. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Well, how the hell do we follow that up? By asking the very simple question Sharon Moore. Uh, we'll settle it on the field in November uh, or we'll settle it in November. The, Spencer, we, we come to the Michigan panic meter. Has that got you quaking in your boots about Michigan? Cause tough talking Sharon Moore wants you to know we're going to settle it on the field in November.
0: Yeah. You know, I, am a little nervous now. I, uh, I might end up in the Scott. No, I'm kidding. I'm 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 not moving. I'm, I'm, I'm in the dark gray. I'm assuming you're with me. We're still in the, in the hanging out in the dark gray. If anything, Sheryl Moore talking almost makes me feel better about beating the gray. Because yeah. I like I, I think Ryan Day, I think, has learned at this point that he doesn't need to respond to any of that stuff. He just kind of keeps it okay, whatever. And I think this is just gonna like light the fire within the the program even more to okay, we just gotta beat their ass next year. And if there's any other uh recruits that they can they can get in the transfer portal or guys that maybe decide they're gonna leave Michigan at some point in the next month or so. That that maybe they'll steal and bring the, the to Ohio State. Like, I think they're just gonna find more ways to sort of undermine that program and sort of rub it in their face when they when they meet in the food in November.
1: I just wish there was more gray we could go into. I wish it could be like like Should we just uh, make
0: the meter a, an entire circle now? Life is a flat circle, the Michigan panic meter is a flat circle. <laughs> I, I I just don't know like how much more grey, like
1: stunningly gray. Like uh I'm trying to think of like other what shades we need of gray. Is-
0: we need this to become like a graphic now that like moves like on a video board where like the meter like shakes and it go like the farther you get into the gray, it just like shakes even, even harder that you're like that. You're that deep into the gray. Now that, that would be the way Is to it make like, it like
1: uh, the college football, the EA sports game when they did the crowd impact, like when you were yes, playing like the
0: controller would shake. Yeah. 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 The,
1: the controller would shake. We and haven't even talked even about that by throw. the way.
0: We got not talk about that Friday. We haven't had talked about the game at all.
1: Um, I, let's just do it now. We'll save the saving thing to later in this week cuz now you make me want to take about talk <laughs> about college football. I so the trailer came out last week and we haven't had a chance to talk about it. The trailer literally has nothing to do with the game itself. It
0: didn't matter, Nick. It, I was at, I was ma- at full no. I was at full mast.
1: <laughs> Everybody <true>. was. Everybody <laughs> was just ready and raring to go because it was like like we're so ravenous for EA Sports College Football 2025. I was in
0: pre-coital delusion at that point. That's what I was. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was pre-nut delusion as it's called and just ravenous. We need to get to post-nut clarity. That's where we are with with College Football 2025, but it's so funny, man. That the trailer was nothing but a dude talking just in generality a vagueness about college football. It could be, you could do that entire speech. You could put to almost anything in life because it's so generic, but it's set to the backdrop of, you know, college football jerseys being made. And it just made me want it that much more. In special. the Rose
0: Bowl, nonetheless, it was in the Rose Bowl was the backdrop. That was awesome. Yep. So I'm going to tell you, I am. First of all, I, I talked about this at 92.3 as well on on the air the other day, but this game is going to be the thing like I've been putting off investing in a ps5 no so normally my strategy is the first year or two when the, when the game systems come out they're at, they're they're fully priced and then the second year like around christmas time they do like this you know hundred dollars off thing for black friday or whatever and that's usually when i go buy it it's like okay i'm two years into it there's still a longer life for this thing and so i've i kind of waited but the problem is this time around because of covid and the chip shortage and all that stuff that never happened where they did like that that rollback of the price and you got like a better deal on it So I didn't get it. I haven't bought one yet. And so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I was like, there's going to be a cutoff where I have to just buy one because I'm not going to get NCAA football 2025. Or I guess they're not calling it that anymore. It's college football 2025. I'm not going to get that for a PS4. I have to get it for the new system. And so that time is coming. I'm going to have to – like the – the, the Pied Piper – or not the Pied Piper, but the 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 the, the taxes are going to come due, if you will. I'm going to have to pay for it at some point point just bite the bullet because i got to play this game on the new system. So that's the one thing I'm kind of waiting for is can I hit on a bet that will give me the money I need to buy this thing, or am I just going to just bite the bullet and pay for it myself? Um, and the other thing is my biggest concern for the game, which I don't know how you feel about this, but my biggest concern for the game is that they're going to do it uh, – I think it was 20 – 18 NBA 2k that they just went way too deep on the micro transactions. And that game was fucking awful because of it. So I I'm deathly you're afraid about
1: NIL and transfer portal.
0: Well, yeah, like because of the NIL stuff and, and they're paying the players. Like, I just wonder if it's going to be for your team to really have a chance to like land, like whatever team you start dynasty mode with, if you're t- for your team to really have a chance, you're going to have to spend all this extra money on well hey i'm going to go to this kid's living room and pay him this much money and it actually comes out of your like it's basically like you're contributing to a collective uh, in a video game which is even stupider than it sounds so I, that's my biggest fear is that they're going to overdo with the microtransaction stuff because i think that'll ruin things for a lot of people
1: so i i think that's a fair concern i i honestly there were some years where recruiting, like the in-between years, like towards the end, you were – recruiting was so intuitive. Or, not intuitive, sorry. It was so deep in how yeah, much time you had to awesome. spend on it. It was awesome. I think I, – I really think they need to take a, a page from the text-based sim game where you can assign tasks. Basically, it's like a way to sim it, but you can assign tasks – and at like a daily a weekly a monthly level on like a like a game like Out of the Park which is a baseball game and what that allows you to do is it it basically increases the importance of spending on assistance. So I think the simpler thing would be to allow yourself to you know have the GM model, have the head coach model. Have the assistant model and then be able to assign tasks to individual. You can't do it all. Like it wouldn't make sense if you could just sim literally everything, but it'd be cool to be able to say, all right, each, uh, each assistant has three tasks this week, or each assistant has three things they're in control of when we sim. Like, I think that's the kind of thing that makes an incredible amount of sense because if it's all about, well, the head coach has to do it, that might be as authentic as hell, but I do think you can lose people in the weeds. So that, that is my hope. I think, I hope they get really creative. I also, one of my favorite things that Madden used to do was you, when you had owner mode, you had GM mode, you had head coach. mode. Yeah. You could
0: set the price for the hot dogs in the stadium. You remember that? Yes.
1: Yes. And I always would relocate a team. Like I'd relocate Pittsburgh to St. Louis just to be a D. <laughs> Um and then you, I, and you would
0: literally sign up to be the the GM of the, yep. the Steelers him just the to move them.
1: I'd tank him into the ground and then I'd move wow. him to like LA what a vindictive
0: or whatever. To yeah. do some shit like I, don't, that.
1: I don't think you've understood. I I'm that guy. Okay. I <laughs> like my when I sports hate, I don't sports hate often because I try and I, I want to be as much of a sports fan of people as I can be. But if you land on the wrong side of me, I'm Hungarian. <laughs> There's no going back. And honestly, I used to do it. we I wouldn't do this to to Michigan, but like when I would realign conferences, when they allowed conference realignment, I'd move Michigan to like the the Mac and then i'd move like <laughs> bowling green up like i do stuff oh like that God. and so like my friends would log on and play with me like what the hell are you doing and i'm like uh vengeance don't worry about it <laughs> but no i mean I, you i'm so glad you mentioned the thing about ah now i gotta i actually gotta get a ps5 because i'm right there with you like this is the game like it's yeah. this or if they actually did a call of duty that was Doesn't about to you about like the i like world war ii which i thought yeah. was my favorite one world at war I oh yeah your
0: favorite fun. war yeah
1: yeah like yeah, <laughs> yeah was, i'm a big
0: world war ii guy you know
1: i just well I, give me civil war although that'd be a little messed up but the point is now well, we're going to be we're, headed for
0: another one of those it is going to the wrong direction so
1: all right um think post nut clarity we gotta get to it um <laughs> but no i do think like i think this is this game or like a really great call of duty game that wasn't just Whatever the crap they're doing now, are yeah. the the two games if, uh, that could really, or like honestly, a, a a major league baseball game that was more fun. MLB The I, Show is
0: good though. I love MLB The Show. I think but
1: but to me, it's like Madden. It's like yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it's
0: it's similar year to year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll say uh, since we're naming games now, it's 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 college football twenty twenty five, and for me, it's probably a, a Red Dead Redemption three. That game is probably I, we've we've gone off like this has nothing to do with with high state football whatsoever this episode mm-hmm. of sons of the shoes here as you close it out but i think they pick it up i think, I think that red dead redemption 3 is or red dead redemption 2 is like the best open world game ever created that game mm-hmm. is freaking fantastic so can i could i submit something sure uh the san and
1: uh, sorry the the gta series if they ever bring back turf wars san andreas and i've hey, six is coming soon yeah but but they're not going to do turf wars because it's insensitive and i understand that (laughs) but turf wars to me i used to spend i mean hours on end just snatching up turf and finally like i'll I'll be honest with you i never made it to the end of the game because i didn't (laughs) care i only wanted everybody's turf and i turned everybody's turf from purple and yellow into green like you would not believe now I'm glad you mentioned other kind of franchises. I played, I, listen, I, wanna... I
0: played, I played Red Dead Redemption Two so much, especially during COVID, that I think I, I, by the end of it, I was probably sitting there playing the game in a cowboy hat with boots on and a piece of straw coming out of my mouth, and was talking to my wife like this: "Hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight?" That's how much and, I
1: played that game. And was she like, "I, I should have chosen better"? <laughs> like this is <laughs> so, um, so real quick. How do you NCAA football? Do you go mid major? Do you go small school and then build yourself up and then go, or do you try and go Ohio State? Do you, do you try and go blue blood job right out of the gate?
0: So um, I usually start with like doing the blue blood thing of which is like my favorite team, which would obviously be Ohio State. So I I'll probably start one that's with Ohio State, and because I I I think like you you have the ties to your own team, but then I think once you play at least like one year of that season. And you get like your championship and all this different stuff, then I think I I revert to like, okay, I now I'm gonna start at like a small school and see if I can work my way maybe to maybe back to Ohio State, but like work my way up in the way that like, you know, other other people have like done. And and I that that is a fun way to do it. I think I usually start with just choose my favorite team and do it. And then I kind of go from there. But I kind of like the idea of especially now we haven't had this game since 14. And the idea, or I guess what well, that would have been 13 going into 14. Um, the idea that I, since I worked at Akron, like the idea of starting at one point in time, the idea of like starting with a program like Akron in the Mac and like building mm-hmm. my way to something else, I think sounds like a lot of fun. So, I I'll probably I'm, will do that at some
1: point. I always, out of loyalty to my alma mater, I always start, start BG, that's fair. But I'm so there are so many programs that I have some sort of love with that were either not in the game because I can't start
0: with my alma mater, nor do I want to, because frankly, I don't want to give that, that place uh, a championship.
1: I think, no, I think you got to bring them from the division three circuit. I think you got to bring them all the way up. Like, like Delaware from division two to division One A. Well, I thought
0: that because there was some talk that Notre Dame maybe wasn't going to be in the game. They just announced this week that they will be like, they were working at the NIL stuff with their players. And um, I maybe thought that, I thought ever. that they could just make, my alma mater, the Notre Dame wannabes, in the game, and they could just replace them for a period of time. So, that's basically team, what they are—they they think they're Notre Dame, but
1: they're not. The team I'm most excited for is probably App State and the Charlotte 49ers. And I I really fell in mm. love with the Sun Belt when I lived in Charlotte. App State looks awesome, but but like uh, App State's unis are just badassery, yeah. and and so are the 49ers. That by campus the campus is sweet too. Like the oh, Boone is so. I mean, dude, I gotta be honest with you it's cold in Boone and they have a lot of snow and they have a lot of BS that I wouldn't want to put up with, but I'd love to have a cabin in Boone one time. Like just like, just I'll be, I don't know. I'd ever come down. I'd look, I'd look like Daniel Boone. I'd look like Paul, but (laughs) getting back to it, um, there's probably 10 to 15 teams that were actually more than that, but there, there are of the teams that weren't in the last version. There are 10 to 15 teams. I can't wait to play as or play against and I'm thinking about, I, man. I hope they give you a lot of control in the back end because I want to. Su- I want to set up a, a group of five playoff. But that's that's neither here nor there. I, right, I also guys.
0: one thing I always used to do real quick, because um, I loved Boise State's turf at the time. Like man. it was, it was still like a fresh thing at the time. So yep. I would always when you could do like the create your schedule. I would I wouldn't even do like a home and home. Like you know how these schools schedule like a home and home? I would just every year I put Boise State on the road, like week two of the season. It was always a thing that I would do. I love that. <laughs>
1: All right, guys, we got to bounce. Leave your comments in the section. Outside of Ohio State, who are you most excited to play in the NCAA football game? Uh, Leave the comments there. Do you take any umbrage with what Sharon Moore said? Leave the comments in the 92.3 The Fan's YouTube channel or hit us up on social media. at Nick Wilson says, at Spensito underscore. And please make sure to follow the show. Apple, Spotify, 92.3TheFan.com, the free Odyssey app. Uh, we are, we exist because you guys allow us to exist with your interest. We got a duck guys, but uh, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today and go bucks.